Well, good morning to you. Happy New Year. Is this up here for me? Because I'm so thirsty, I'll drink. I don't care who's drunk it, okay? Is that all right? Well, it is definitely a joy and honor for my family and I to be here today. And uh, we are up here. My, my wife is from Coshocton. And so we come up this, uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, we come up every year and spend um, quite a bit of time with her family. So we're on the tail end of that and heading home back to Stanton, Kentucky. You all know Brother Harold Kelly. Uh, I pastor in the town about three miles, four miles from Brother Kelly. Um, so I'm, we're from Stanton, Kentucky, and it's a joy to be here today. Of course, you saw my wife, Julia, and we have three girls. Lydia, she is eight, and Ava is five, and Amelia is bringing, <laughs> bringing uh, up the rear at three years old. Now, Ava and Amelia are the types where if you meet them, you'll never be the same in Jesus' name, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but they're precious girls, but they're a little bit of a tornado. You understand what I'm saying? They blow in and blow out, you know. Uh, but they're, they're good girls, and uh, it's a joy to, for us to be here. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word and turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. We're going to begin reading in the 13th verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now verse 1 of chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy, inerrant, infallible Word. Would you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, what a joy it is to be in this place, gathered together with the saints, with the church, as we've come here today to give you praise, honor, and glory. And Lord, we've also come here today to hear from your word. Lord, it is my desire today that you would have free reign in this place. May all of us be opened in our hearts to what you want to say to us. May we not just be hearers of this word today, but I pray we'd be doers. Lord, may we leave here 
saying, oh, it was so good to be in the house of the Lord, but also may we leave here saying, I was changed. Lord, I pray that where the arm of flesh fails me every time, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint me as your mouthpiece. That you'd hide me behind the cross of Jesus and I would say nothing unless you want me to say it. Lord, these sweet people really don't need to hear much from Ben Liston. But we all desperately need to hear from you in the critical hour in which we live. So speak to us now, we ask. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Well, as you know, we have just spent a couple of days celebrating the first advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful time of the year that is as we get together with family and friends and celebrate and remember that Christ came. God promised Christ came, and that was His first advent. And we have, by the way, we have got a van loaded down with three Christmases worth. Is this online? Three Christmases worth of junk. No, now you, now you parents, don't you look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, especially the toys that make noise. Y'all know, y'all know, yeah. We are thankful. We have been blessed. But we are loaded down with three Christmases worth of stuff to take back to Stanton, Kentucky. And so it has been a wonderful time celebrating the first advent of our Lord. But in the midst of that, celebrating that first advent, did you know that similar to his second advent, there was much confusion as to his first advent? There were opinions of religious people. There were opinions of pagans. There are all different types of opinions concerning the first advent of Christ. Primarily, there was one that would say, He'll never come. The Messiah will never come. In fact, there are even many today that are still saying the Messiah has not come. Well, similarly, when it comes to the second advent of Jesus Christ, the second coming, there is great confusion and manipulation, I believe, garnered by the enemy of our souls, the devil, There is much confusion stirred up amongst God's people as to the second coming or the second advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But yet what I think is interesting is Paul writes to this group of believers that were confused. There were some false teachers that had crept into the body amongst them and was teaching them some things that were not correct. And Paul writes, and I believe these are such pastoral and loving words. He says, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want to tell you today, I believe that God's people, God's church, can know about the second coming of Christ. We don't have to have speculation. We don't have to have all this drama. We can know about how He will come and get His people. I believe that. 
Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. God is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Because when ignorance creeps in, what happens many times is that diminishes the hope that we have. I know that our world is not a place that lends itself to hope. In fact, when you consider the death and the disease and the natural disasters, evil and all the other negative things that fill our world, there is just not a lot of room for hope. In addition to that, Satan, the father of lies and confusion, is constantly trying to distract and pervert the truth. Now don't miss this this morning. When truth is distorted or perverted, Hope diminishes. And that is why God's church must once again boldly proclaim the supremacy and the sufficiency of God's revelation to us, which is the Holy Bible. It is in the pages of the inspired and preserved Word of God that the believer can find hope. You see, this world says that hope is merely a fond wish or desire. But the words used in the Bible, talking about hope, on the other hand, they tell an entirely different story. They teach us that biblical hope is a deep, settled confidence that God will keep His promise. Biblical hope is joyful. Did you know it's okay for Christians to have some joy? Did you know that? You don't have to walk around looking like you're sucking on a lemon. Amen. You can have some joy because you have hope. Biblical hope is joyful. It is confident expectation. In the face of all the hopelessness that grips our world, there is one group of people that possess genuine hope. And that is the believer. The church of God has hope. And our hope is solely on Jesus Christ. For instance, at salvation, our hope and promise is the redemption and justification through the death, the substitutionary death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. At sanctification, our hope and promise is the ability to live a holy and consecrated life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And at glorification, our hope and promise is to be escorted by Jesus Himself into the celestial eternal home of the... Y'all all all right? Everybody okay? Okay. Now, down home, they talk back to me when I preach. Only if you like it, talk back to me. (laughs) Okay, all right. You can say amen. Can can I say amen? Okay, all right, all right. Our hope begins and ends with Jesus. I believe the hymn writer Edward Moat captured it best for us when he wrote that great hymn, The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less Then Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean 
on Jesus' name. That last verse. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone and faultless to stand before the throne. You see, Edward Mote wrote in the last verse of this great hymn, The Hope of Every Believer, that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want to reassure, reaffirm to you this morning that Jesus Christ is coming back. And the second coming of Christ brings us hope for all of our tomorrows. Titus 2 and verse 13 puts it this way, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for the blessed hope. But unfortunately, the second coming of Christ and the events that surround it have been manipulated, construed, theorized, misinterpreted to the point that biblical truth has been perverted and hope has been diminished. So before we dive into the text here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to address three areas where truth is being perverted when it comes to the second coming of Christ. The first thing... You might want to write these down. It's up to you. But the first thing I want you to consider is the rap, what is called the rapture of the church. Let me give you some reassurance. You will not find the word rapture in Scripture. Now, this is a Latin word meaning to seize or carry away. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 17, when it says that the saints will be taken up in the air, it is not speaking of, nor is it referring to a rapture or a secret rapture of the church prior to a tribulation or millennium. <laughs> what about, you've probably heard this term, the great tribulation. This phrase is found two times in Scripture, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that the great tribulation will be for a period of seven years prior to the return of Christ. You won't find it. Antichrist. The term Antichrist is only mentioned in 1 John, 1 John 2, 1 John 4, and 2 John. There is no specific reference of Antichrist in Revelation. Nowhere will you find in Scripture that one great Antichrist will rise up at the end of time. The term Antichrist simply is defined as against Christ. In other words... Anyone who does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is Antichrist. So now that we have established some biblical truth, now we can look to this wonderful text that is laid before us and we can reaffirm the blessed hope we have in Christ's return. I want you to consider first with me the truth and the hope of the resurrection. 
Now, I've already mentioned to you, but I'll mention again. As Paul writes to the Thessalonian believers, he offers hope to a people who thought all hope was gone. You see, the Thessalonians, through some false teachers that had crept in, um, had heard about the coming of the Lord, but they thought that believers had to be alive until the coming, until that day, or they would miss the resurrection. So Paul writes to them to, de- to declare the truth about the resurrection and the hope of those who have died in Christ. First of all, he reaffirms for them or teaches them their condition, the condition of those who are dead in Christ. Look at verse number 13 with me. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. I want you to notice with me in verse 14, the end of the verse, those who sleep in Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not referencing soul sleep. Their bodies are asleep. But their souls live on. You see, sleep implies rest. The redeemed are resting from the burdens and trials of this life. For instance, let me show you Revelation 14 verse 13 The Bible says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from the labors and their works follow them. So they are resting. They are resting. I also want you to notice the truth and the hope of the resurrection. Not just their condition, but also their location. Look at verse number 14 with me. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Paul tells us that God will bring with Him the dead in Christ when He comes. Now, I am not a scholar nor am I a language expert. But I would assume that if it says that they will be with Him, they must be with Him now. That gives us some hope today. I also want you to notice not just their condition and their location, but I want you to notice their inclusion. Look at verse number 15 with me. For this way we say to for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first when Jesus comes the dead in Christ will be raised first Don't worry about those who have gone on before. They are with the Lord. But honey, you hear me, they will be back with Him. They will come with Him in the clouds. And in that moment, you and I, those of us that might be alive at that time, will be reunited once again. We will be changed. Their bodies will be resurrected. They'll be changed And we'll all go to heaven together. Amen.
Now, before we move on from these couple of verses, I want to remind you of something. Because like I said, there's a lot of confusion out there. I want to make sure you understand that there will only be one resurrection. Only one resurrection. In fact, the scripture is very clear about this. In John chapter 5, here's what Jesus has to say about it. You might want to turn there and look with me. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 24, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into, in, into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now look with me here. I want you to notice verses 24 and 25. Well, let me say two. Well, yeah, 24 and 25. Jesus is mentioning a spiritual resurrection. When the Spirit of God speaks to the heart of a lost person, They respond to God's call for salvation. They are passed from death unto life. It is a spiritual resurrection. But Jesus then clarifies, in fact, He says in verse 28, Do not marvel at this. Now, He doesn't mean what happened in verses 24 and 25 is not a big deal. Don't miss that. Passing from death unto life, honey, is a big deal. Y'all agree? That's a big deal. I mean, I've heard people say to me, well, I've been saved for years and didn't know it. My hind leg. Honey, something as big as God moving inside of you, you'll know it. There's no, you're telling me you, you passed from death unto life. You're telling me you got baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ and you didn't know it? Oh, no, no. Jesus says, it's a big deal passing from death into life. But then he says, oh, but I got another. (laughs) He says, you pass from death into life, but I got one more for you. When I return, I will speak to all that are... It says, look at verse number 20. Let me get back there. Look at verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those that have accepted Christ will be resurrected. Their bodies will be changed and they'll go to heaven. Those that are dead in sin will be resurrected and cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. There's just one. Resurrection. Now, we, we got to get this right if we're going to have hope. There will be one resurrection. Furthermore, there will be one resurrection and one 
second coming. One resurrection and one second coming, they will occur at the same time. In fact, John chapter 6 tells us, Jesus Himself tells us, that this is exactly how it will happen. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 to 23, again, the Scripture tells us that the resurrection of the second coming will occur at the end at the same time. Once you understand the truth of the resurrection, it allows your hope to be full and sure. So we have considered the truth and hope of the resurrection. Secondly, I want you to notice the truth and the hope of the second coming. Look down with me at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But concerning, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 and 2. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Here's the the truth and hope of the second coming is it will be sudden. (laughs) My wife and I are currently in Stanton, Kentucky, pastoring. In fact, this coming May, we will be there seven years. Prior to that, we were in Middletown, Ohio. I was on staff at a church, and (laughs) now y'all, can I say y'all? Y'all okay with that? Y'all know what that means. Yeah. Y'all and all y'all and yous and youans and all that. Okay. Anyway. But, but prior to that, we were in Middletown, Ohio. Now, we were in, we were on the other side of the tracks in Middletown. A rough neighborhood. Um, drugs had really affected where we were, and we lived in the parsonage. I was not the senior pastor, but he had his own home, and so the church allowed us to, to live there in the parsonage. And so it was, I mean, it was right in the thick of it. Well, our house got broken into. And they came in and stole some things. And, but you know what's interesting? Whoever that was, and we really don't know to this day who it was, they never called and said, we're going to break into your house tomorrow. It would have been nice if they would have. But they never called and said, we on the way. Are you ready? Can I tell you that the second coming of Christ will be a sudden event and to many they will be unprepared and shocked at what takes place. You say, why is this preacher? Well, it's because only God knows when Christ will return. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus said that not even the angels or Himself know. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Pay attention. If Jesus and the angels don't know, what makes you think that some TV preacher has got it all figured out? I'm here to tell you this morning, John Hagee don't have it pegged, y'all. Like it or lump it, it's true. He don't have it pegged. Now, I believe 
John Hagee's a, a believer. I believe he's a brother in Christ, but I believe he's an heir. If, if Jesus and the angels don't know, what makes us think that we know? The point is, he's coming. I love that old heritage hymn we have. Be ready, be ready, be ready when he comes. It will be sudden. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39, He says, But as, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Meaning... You know, oh, Noah, he's out there building that ark. And they say, oh, Noah, you, you've lost your ever-loving mind. And he says, listen, y'all, it's going to rain. Uh, and God told me to get the boat ready. I'm getting it ready. It's going to rain. And they mocked him. They ignored him. But then the rain came. The flood came. There are many that are lost in sin and in their pride and in their arrogance, they shake their fingers in our noses and they say, He is not coming. But you rest, be rest assured, friend, He is coming. He is coming. The flood came suddenly and without warning and also likewise the second coming will be the same. In fact, 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, watch this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's quick. <laughs> That's sudden. But also, the truth and hope of the second coming is it will be reverberating. Look at verse number 16 with me again. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The Lord called me into the ministry when I was... 15 years old, uh, but I didn't really want to do that. Anybody else ever been there, done, been there and had that experience? I didn't really want to do that, and so I told the Lord, well, I'll sing, and so I went on the road singing gospel music, had a wonderful time doing that. I said, God, I'll, I'll sing, but that's about as far as it goes. I don't know about this pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home and saw some negative things in the church, and I didn't, know, I didn't know if I wanted to be a pastor. And so in that time, while I was trying to do what I wanted to do, um, I entered into the funeral trade, the funeral business. And I can, I can tell you today that I have laid to rest thousands of people. 
And what's interesting to me is when someone passes, they are laid in a casket and then they are lowered into the ground and put into what is called a vault. And they are about four feet under dirt. Now let me, and and let me assure you of something. When someone is in a casket, listen, they're dead. Don't believe your uncle's story. Or your papa's story that goes like this. We were, we, I went with the local funeral director to pick up a body. And on the way back to the funeral home, they sat up. I've got news for you. Your papa or uncle, they lied to you. That is not true. That's not true. And let me just say this. And I've, I've been at uh, funerals or directing a funeral, and, and someone will come up to me and say, I swear mom moved her hand. And I'm very kind and all, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Because mom didn't move her hand. In fact, what I want to say is, if mom moved her, if I see mom move her hand, I'll be out the door before you are. You say, what's the point, preacher? The point is, those that have died are dead. But you're not going to tell me that the second coming of Christ is going to be some secret event. When the Bible says that the dead are going to get up out of the ground. That sounds like it would be pretty loud to me. I'd like to be at the graveyard. Wouldn't y'all? I want to see how God does this. I want to see how this works. Maybe he'll allow me to, I don't know. But anyway, I kind of want to be at the grave. I, I mean, I, I'd like to be right next to my Grandpa Thorne's grave, and he comes popping out, and we go together. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be neat? The point is, don't tell me this is going to be some secret event. There's no way, friend. If people that are dead are going to get up out of the ground, then, friend, it's going to be a reverberating, loud event. The trumpet of God will sound. And in the scripture, the trumpet has always been for the purpose of arousing attention and warning. Here's the point. The whole world, both earth and heaven, believers, non-believers, and angels will be aroused. Every being on the planet, the, the moon, the stars, all the galaxies, the planets in our solar system, all will know that the King is coming. It will be a reverberating event. But also I want you to notice, it will be final. One of the greatest truths of Christ's second advent is that it will render the end of all things. I, I believe the most specific, specific account of the final judgment is found in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. I want you to notice with me there. The Bible says in verse 31, 
When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you Blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now I want you to notice something. In in Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32, Jesus puts the second coming and final judgment, notice, together. Do you see that? He puts them together. In Matthew 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father and with His angels, and then He will reward each according to their works. In other words, the second coming and the judgment will happen together, and it will be final. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, it says, Christ Jesus is to judge the living and the dead. There's a piece of the second coming that I think sometimes we just gloss over. And that is, it will bring final judgment. We all know that this world is cursed by sin. We all know that. It's impossible for this world to be perfect. Jesus said, it's impossible for you to go through this life and not somehow someone offend you. And let me just speak to you for a moment. Sometimes we get in the trap of we have to do some of God's business. And we need to hold somebody accountable for what they did to us. Friend, we have a justice system and we all know that the justice system is to hold people accountable. But did you know that even the justice system sometimes gets it wrong? And you might be frustrated about someone might have wronged you. They might have actually broken the law and they've never been held accountable on this earth. But listen to me, friend. They will stand before a righteous and holy judge. And He will judge them. And He'll judge them with a perfect judgment. Those that have hurt you, those that have offended you, and you think they've got off scot-free. Don't, don't be confused. They will stand and they will give an account. In other words, final judgment is ultimate justice that will be rendered. It will be God's justice. It will be perfect justice. I've, ha- I've heard people say to me, Especially, uh, I work very closely with a drug addiction ministry, Spark Ministries. And we're constantly, people are coming through our doors and we have a law in the state of Kentucky called Casey's Law. And the law is set up that if you are a family member of an individual that's in addiction and they are refusing um, to get help, you can ask the court to sentence them to rehab. And it's been a great um, opportunity. Thousands and thousands of lives have been saved through this law. 
And one of the things that Spark Ministries does is we help families walk through that process. And in the midst of doing that and counseling people and sharing the gospel with folks, many times people will say to me, well, you're not the judge. Don't judge me. And I often say, you're right. I'm not the judge. But I know the one who is. And he will judge you. And now is your opportunity. This is a moment of God's grace. You have have been presented an opportunity to go to rehab. And you have been presented the gospel. And this is your opportunity. You either can accept or reject. But I always tell them, but be careful. Because if you reject this opportunity, you will stand and give an account for it. And God will judge you. Don't Don't be confused. At the second coming, all will be judged. It will be final. It will be reverberating. Lastly, I want to show you the truth and hope of our joy. The truth and hope of our joy. You see, joy should fill our hearts when we think of the Lord's return. We should not be filled with speculation and fear. We can know the truth of His second coming. In fact, he tells us right here in verse 17, one great truth is that we will meet our loved ones. Verse 17 says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I know there are multitudes that have gone on before us to heaven. Maybe this past year you have seen a loved one slip from this life into eternity. And we miss them. We grieve their death because we cannot see them, we cannot hold them, we cannot talk to them or be with them. But I know that you know this, but I just want to remind you, there is coming a day when all of God's children our home, and we will be together with them. We will be together again with those who have died in Christ. They are safe with Jesus now, but when He comes, He will raise their bodies from the dead. Their bodies will be transformed, and He will take them to the clouds with Him. And then we will see them again. Parents will see their children. Spouses will see their partners. Friends will be reunited again. What a day that will be. And surely we can rejoice in the hope that we have that we will see our loved ones again. Oh, but friend. I mean, I've got a lot of folks I want to see. My My grandfather... My grandmother, I have a great aunt who had a great influence, spiritual influence on my life. I can't wait to see her. But can I tell you what excites me more than that? Is that I will meet the Lord. Notice the end of verse 17. 
we shall always be with the Lord. Look back up at verse 16. For the Lord Himself. Now I like that. Now listen y'all, I like that. Listen, Jesus isn't going to send no lackey. He's not going to send some gopher. He's not even going to send an angel. He Himself is going to come. He put it this way. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Now, Brother Tony, if there's not, I don't think there's another verse in the Bible that proves that we won't have to go through any type of great tribulation than that one right there. What did he say? Do not let your heart be troubled. You can know the truth. He said, you can know the truth. <laughs> you can know how this is going to go. Here's what he said. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Oh, I like this. If it were not true, I would have told you. Don't, does anybody love it that Jesus speaks the truth? <laughs> anybody love it that His Word is true? <laughs> yeah. I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, now, don't stop there. And if I go to prepare a place for you, watch this. I, 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 I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. Ladies and gentlemen, that's hope. We're going to be with the Lord. We will see Jesus. Now, one more thing I want you to notice. Look at verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Jesus said Himself, I will come again. Paul reaffirms what Jesus says and he says, not by what I think, not by what I've experienced, not by what, I, what I've studied in some book, but by the word of Almighty God, Jesus will come again. That gives me assurance and hope. While it excites us to think about seeing our loved ones once again, what thrills, what should thrill our hearts is the knowledge that one day we will see Jesus. We will see the wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Sweet Rose of Sharon, the Balm of Gilead, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Alpha, the Omega, the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world, the High Priest, the Kinsman Redeemer, the Fire from Heaven, the Great I Am. We will see our Redeemer, the One who died for our souls and rose again. We will see a friend that sticks close than any brother, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Friends, be encouraged. Saints, be encouraged today that our hope is not in some superficial political system in this country. Our hope is not in some economic system of this country. But our hope is in the assurance and the hope and the truth that we will see Jesus again. Hallelujah. 
That excites me, Sister Brenda, would you come? That excites me. You say, preacher, that's an awful lot of yelling. Well, I hope it excites you. <laughs> you say, well, preacher, I just don't get like that. I'm reserved. My wife is more reserved. Well, let me tell you something. As soon as you step into eternity, you'll get over that reservedness. I guess maybe another way I could communicate to you the assurance of the blessed hope we have that Jesus Christ will return is to put it this way. The sky shall unfold Preparing His entrance The stars shall applaud Him With thunders of praise The sweet light in His eyes Shall enhance those awaiting and we shall behold Him then face to face. We shall behold Him. We shall behold Him. Face to face in all of His glory. We shall behold Him. Yes, we shall behold Him face to face. Our Savior and Lord, the angel shall sound <laughs> the shout of His coming. The sleeping shall rise from their slumbering place than those who remain oh, shall be changed in a moment and we shall behold him then face to face we shall behold him we shall behold
face in all of His glory. We shall behold Him. Yes, we shall behold Him face to face, our Savior and Lord. When He returns in power and glory, we shall see Jesus, we shall see Jesus to face our Savior and Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you today, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker because he's coming He's coming. If you're here today and you're a saint, you're a member of God's church through salvation, you say, how do I receive the message, preacher? Well, receive it in this way. Be confident. Be sure of the hope that you have that Christ is coming. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you say, preacher, how should I receive the message? It would be this way. Get ready. Be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for that moment when Christ splits the sky? Are you ready? Are you saved? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you doubt that today, friend, I invite you to come today and be saved. Maybe you're here today and you're frustrated, you're angry, you're mad at something that's happened in 2022. Someone has hurt you, someone has offended you, and they're yet to be held accountable. Can I encourage your heart today that there will be a final judgment and they will stand before a holy, righteous God and they will give an account. I believe the Lord wants to speak to hearts. He wants to mend hearts. He wants to encourage hearts. And I would just ask that you'd let the Lord speak to you today. Brother Tony. Thank God for the truth. And believe me, nothing inspires hope like the truth. Ben, I thought you were going to read this scripture 50 times. Acts 24. They're calling Paul every kind of name, and he's a troublemaker. He's this and that. And I want you to listen, and what a closing verse for this text. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, 
believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. When the Lord splits the cloud, everybody's coming out at the same time, and some are going to be resurrected to life, and others are going to be resurrected to damnation. Which group are you going to be in when Jesus splits the clouds? There won't be any arguing. There won't be anything going on. It's over instantaneously. Amen. Thank God. You listen to these preachers. 95% of religion got these truths all twisted and confused. And then the saints run off and they get in some of these churches and they say, well, hey, it's wonderful. No, it's not. Nothing's more wonderful than the truth of God. Ye shall know the truth and the truth is what's going to set us free. Thank God for the truth. Which group? And let me tell you something. Ben's right. Jesus don't know, and the angels don't know, and no other preacher knows. But you can look at the sky and know what the weather is going to be tomorrow. You can look at conditions that is going on in this country, all over the world. And every one of us is saying the same thing. Just about the time it can't get any worse, it gets worse, Ben. And you read the Old Testament, and when people were wicked and every man was doing that which is right in his own eyes, God took note and he destroyed two civilizations. The next civilization, civilization is going to be this second coming of Christ. Are you ready, dear one? I hope so. This truth thrilled my soul this morning. How about you? Amen. Ben, sing one more verse right there and we'll give anybody a chance if they want to. Come on down and pray. If not, we're going to dismiss. He's looking for something. Yeah, be ready when he comes. Be ready when he comes. Are you ready? I look at this world, the way they're living. You see what's going on everywhere. You just know in your heart. Not only is the unsaved not ready, half the saved are not ready. Let's get ready. Let's be ready. For in an hour which you think not, the Lord's going to come. Just as it was in the days of Noah. They were marrying, giving and marrying. They were having a good time and knew not until the flood came and it was too late. The ark door was closed. God bless you in 1923. 
And God help this church and every other church to get closer to God. And listen to what Paul said when he said there was a resurrection of the just and the unjust. Listen to what he said, how he ought to act. And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards my brethren. You better get it right this way, and you better get it right that way. Amen. Or you're going to come up in that group, not the just, but the unjust. Ben, go ahead and sing. And Miss Brenda, could we do 127, be ready when he comes? She knows the whole book. Would you flee from sin and serve God bless you. the Lord? Be ready been a good way to start the new year, huh? He comes. He will soon appear with his reward. Be ready when he comes. Be ready. How many can raise your hand? Say I'm ready. Be ready. a great sermon. Thank God for your good attendance this morning. Good to see each and every one of you. And as you go, just I pray God will give you a great new year. Amen. All right. We're going to be dismissed in the name of Jesus. When somebody gets a chance, will you fix the clock? All right. <laughs> All right, God bless you. Ben, do you want to go back, you and your wife, so people can say hello and goodbye? Thank you.